The testing of our faith and trials brings us patience and maturity. It's very, very good for us. We'll study that today on James chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are discovering the book of James. And this is a great teaching today. So stick around for three minutes. We'll have that for you coming up momentarily. Corey and Ryan are here with me with my special guest, Jim Canalon. We're going to be talking with him in a little bit about Jerusalem and some of the other things. And we have some Bible IQ questions today. Well, we do. Because our programming has been different in the last few days, if you go to any one of our social media platforms, you will find me there asking our Bible question for today. Because we didn't want to leave you out because we know that's very, very important. Anyway, take out your Bible guide and turn to today's passage in James and let's discover what he talks about. James the Just, very, very interesting. James 1, 1 through 11. James a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes so the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. James chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. James chapter 1, 2, and 3. That's what we read today as we focus on the scripture. This is a fascinating book because all the men have put together what they believe about God and James the just is one of them. Now, at the end of the day, it is not the things that we have which matter, but it is our faith, what we believe. Things can be taken. Things can pass away. Things are fleeting. But faith cannot be taken from us. Faith is critical to our existence the capacity for faith is one of the main things that separates us from the animals. Human beings are made in the image of God and have the ability to seek him and to come to Jesus Christ and put our trust and our faith in him. Our faith teaches us to change the way we live. 
the way we act, the way we react. Faith drives the way we live and why we do the things we do. There is really no way to be completely faithless. You see, we all have faith in something. Many have faith in themselves and other things. But those who put their faith outside of God are ultimately living for nothing. Now, this is a tragic fate that can only be avoided through putting your faith in Jesus Christ, or in other words, salvation, saving yourself from the penalties of that by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. I, I tell you, this is really an important book, and we're going to read it carefully and slowly so that we understand what it says and why it says it. Now, as we go through this, we need to focus on this very specifically. Now, I want to tell you, take your Bible guide and turn to it. And if you don't have a Bible guide, please go call and write to us or go to Bible Discovery TV and get it and get on the list so you can get your new Bible guide for the new year. Very good. Excellent. Let's pray. Father, trusting in faith, what does that mean? Lord, we ask you, what does that mean? We could probably get a hundred different answers on Facebook or on Twitter or X or on some kind of Instagram. But Lord, what, what does it mean? What does faith in you mean? Teach us your way and show us your path through your wonderful servant, James, the just. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we all said together, amen and amen. You know, James was an interesting guy. He really was. Let's read what he wrote. And this is how we understand what he's thinking. James, he is a bondservant, a bondservant of God. <laughs> I love that, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings, my brethren. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now that's really interesting. The testing of our faith through trials brings patience and maturity. I want to read that again. Let's focus on this. The testing of our faith through trials brings patience and maturity. Though every trial we face or through every trial we face, our faith grows stronger with the Lord's help. But let me tell you something. God says in John chapter 15, you know, we're like vine branches and the father is the vine keeper and he sees the branches growing fruit. And that's great. And he, and then he comes down, and he says, now you can go on vacation. No, he doesn't. He prunes the branches and he clips off the fruit and he says, grow more fruit. That's the way it is. We, we have to change our attitude because we spend all of our time doing what we want to do. But we need to focus our attention on what does the Lord want us to do. That's very interesting. Let's read on because this is fascinating stuff. Verses five to eight. Here's what it says. If any of you lacks wisdom, he needs wisdom as he lacks it. Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, 
For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let nothing that man supposes that he will receive anything from the Lord. Wow. He is not, or he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You know, when we ask God for faith, he gives it to us. We must always ask and not doubt God. I know there's times when I say, Lord, I, in faith, I ask for this, expecting to go and have a great time. And there are many times, I'll tell you this, I prayed once for patience. Don't ever do that. <laughs> because I, 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 I didn't understand how challenging that would be. God answers that prayer. God answers our prayer. So we need to pay attention and we need to focus ourselves on getting ourselves to the place and following Jesus Christ. <laughs> and be careful what you pray for, because you'll probably get it. The Lord is not somebody who just listens to us and says, well, that's interesting. There are prayers that we pray that God answers. Very important answers. All right, let's go on. James chapter 1, 9, 11. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation. Because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass, its flowers fall, and its beauty, beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Which brings me to the third point. Wealth and money are not the true rewards of faith. I want to leave that slide up for a second because I want you to see that. Everybody in the United States of America and everybody in Canada and everybody around the world, wealth and money are not the true rewards of faith. They're not. Our first and top priority must be to always love and seek the Lord. Now, I know many people who are very wealthy and they love the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. But the pursuit of wealth is not caused by faith. The pursuit of excellence is. But the pursuit of excellence many times is not the pursuit of money. We have to pursue being people of moral character, being people who are willing to do the right things the right way, not just always for the money. That becomes very important, which is probably why we don't have so many we don't have jets and all that stuff around here because that's not what we pursue. We pursue reading the word of God and understanding what God says. So Lord, we pray today that we would understand what you're saying to us. Help us to hear that and help us to do what you've called us to do. And many people, you know, they, we haven't done what you've called us to do. So help us to do that, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit, and we said together, Amen. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone, or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on... Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there.
Jim Canlon is our special guest today. And as we talked about on the last program, uh, the importance of your involvement in Jerusalem and growing up there and or, or coming there from 1981 to 1988 and all of that. Um, you, you mentioned a couple of things, but Jim, carry on with this understanding of what this means, because a lot of people are questioning uh, right now, especially how is this important? Let's just stop this war and all of that. You know, I, I want to give a, um, a biblical overview. And I think if that's okay, we'll, we'll do most of that over the next two shows. But I do want to uh, refer to a, one scripture at least, but leading up to that. Um, first of all, I really relate to what's happening there in terms of the, um, the view of the battlefield, you know, the shelling, the flares that are being dropped by parachute at nighttime, and it makes the entire battlefield look as bright as if the sun was shining. Because I've experienced this myself uh, back in uh, <clears throat> 1982 with Operation Peace for Galilee. I was broadcasting the gospel from a radio station in southern Lebanon, right in the middle of a huge conflict between uh, the Israel Defense Forces and the PLO. Uh, I was broadcasting from a little... Um, uh, abandoned customs house that had been made into a sort of a rudimentary radio studio. And um, uh, just a kilometer or so on one side of the valley was uh, uh, Clea and El Qiyam, two Lebanese villages, and just above them was another hog's tooth of land with the old Crusader Beaufort Castle up there against the horizon. And the PLO were in Beaufort Castle with all of its tunnels, where we heard that before. And uh, they were firing rockets down into the valley, trying to hit us at the station, trying to hit Kirit Shimon and Matula on the, just on, on the other side of the Israeli border. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm there <coughs> with a machine gun that the Israeli Defense Forces gave me. And they taught me how to use it because they said, Jim, you're going to be under attack at some point and uh, it will take time for us to come and save you. So during that period of time, here's the gun, get out in that little cement bunker and defend yourself. <laughs> wow. Um, mm -hmm. So I, you know, I, I've, I've, um, I've spent several nights in bomb shelters underground. I've toured a massive underground facility with four foot thick cement ceilings full of rebar that have been totally destroyed from shells that have come down. Uh, I, I know what those are like. Um, one day I, I arrived at the studio and a, a Katusha rocket, which is a, a kind of a super grenade uh, powered like a rocket, and it's made by the Russians. It had landed right beside our studio, right in the ground, and it hadn't exploded. Yeah. Another time, one right in the road as I was driving by, and it didn't explode. So <laughs> he will give his angels charge over you to keep you on all your ways, you know. Anyhow, when I'm seeing the, what's happening right now, I relate to it, and I, I, I remember the the horror of it and the fear on the faces of um, Israelis in the bomb shelter with me, uh, the children crying, uh, ma mainly women down there because the guys were all out fighting. Uh, one, one night um, at one o'clock in the darkness, I'm returning into Israel and I had an old World War II vintage Jeep that was missing on one cylinder, you know, it's shaking and the lighting uh, harness was uh, malfunctioning. So the lights were going on and off intermittently looking like I was signaling somebody. 
and I was just coming around a corner and suddenly this huge lights on me and it was one of these massive armored Jeeps with a big, big searchlight right on me. And uh, some Israeli reservists with their guns trained on me. And I, <laughs> I leaned out of the Jeep. A guy says, it's, it's okay, it's Jim, you know, because they used to listen to me, uh, to my radio show. Yeah. They were totally embarrassed. Oh, Jim, Jim, you, what are you crazy? What are you doing? This? <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a pharmacist from Tel Aviv. I'm here because I have to come on Milloween, which is reserved duty. You don't have to be here. What is your problem? Uh, come in, have some tea and some cake. So I go into the guardhouse and I have tea and cake at two in the morning with these Israelis talking about war and why they didn't want to be there and why I shouldn't be there. I relate to this. You know, th this is not academic for me. Mm. And I'm taking it personally. I'll be very frank. I'm taking it personally. Jerusalem's uh, for Kathy and me and our three kids is our hometown. Our kids were raised there. They, our church we planted there is still there, King of Kings. You know, uh, 80, 80 of our guys in our church there are now in the army right now. Um, every one of my Israeli friends is traumatized. So... They want to know what I think. So I tell them much of what I've shared with you in the last few programs. But then I say this, you know, this has not taken God by surprise yeah. because he's omniscient. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. Omniscience, you know, from your studies, you're probably the foremost biblically, biblically literate people that I've ever known because you're going through the Bible every year. You know this, but Omniscience means all-knowing. Yeah. There is no past for God. There's no future for God. Everything is the eternal present. Yes. Okay? So we live in space and time. We didn't know this was coming. The Lord has known it's coming all along. Mm. Okay? So no surprise to him. Surprise to Israel. Surprise to the world. Surprise to Hamas. No surprise to God. Secondly, he's provident. He has provided for the end game for the outcome, and for what's next. Mm. And he doesn't think in terms of five years, 10 years, 20. Mm. Years mean not. A year is like a thousand days. A thousand days is like a year to him. Mm -hmm. Okay? But his plan for the world, let alone the people of God, is being worked out. And he's providing for all of that. You know, sometimes we get caught by surprise by some provision of the Lord. No surprise to the Lord. Surprise to us. He provides. Yeah. Thirdly, he's sovereign. He's not taking his hand off the wheel. Mm -hmm. He is Lord. And he, he is Lord of the eternities. Lord of the universe. You know, with, with the James Webb telescope, I, I just, my mind boggles. Mm -hmm. Trillions of heavenly bodies, billions upon billions of galaxies. Our huge galaxy yeah. is a minuscule galaxy. <laughs> we're, we're, we're kind of swimming around there in the outer fringes like a bit of dust, you know, just of the Milky Way, let alone of all else that's out there. And the Lord has created all of that. He's Lord of all of that. And he's a plan for all of that. Think about that. Mm -hmm. You know, the Bible talks about his children one day ruling and reigning with him. Mm. Really? Mm. <laughs> ruling and reigning over, over each other? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. 
he's got a plan for the universe. Mm -hmm. And I'm not about to become a science fiction writer, so relax. <laughs> you know? Although that would yeah. make a good science fiction movie. <laughs> it, would, it, would, it would indeed. That, but, but, anyway. but the point is, he's sovereign. So, so he's omniscient, he's provident, he's sovereign. He is engaged with this and with us. And there's a marvelous scripture in Psalm 121, verse 4. And pardon my French, but in Hebrew it says, He that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. Mm -hmm. Psalm 121, verse 4. Mm -hmm. And when I, you know, when I remind my many Jewish friends with texts and emails about that marvelous passage, it just overwhelms them with comfort including those who don't claim to be believers right now. The thing is, <laughs> Israel's essentially a secular state. There's more prayer going on, more synagogue attendance going on, more Bible reading going on than they have known in their lifetime. I bet. Mm -hmm. You know, I often say this, and I mean it. It applies to secular Israelis. It applies to secular Gentiles. We've been creating the image of God. And some of us have had moments of coming to the Lord in faith, but then we've had a sudden death, a sudden illness, a sudden trauma, and we've lost our faith, or so we feel we've lost it. In Isaiah 42, when Isaiah is describing Israel's coming Messiah, among other things, he says, a bruised reed he will not break, mm -hmm. a smoking flax he will not quench. Mm -hmm. And what I see in Israel today are hundreds of thousands of smoking flaxes. They may have come almost to the point of unbelief. The wind of history, let alone the wind of the spirit, is blowing on that little spark. And there's a conflagration. And I believe beyond a shot of a doubt, there's going to be a spiritual awakening in Israel because of this. I don't want to be a prophet because I'm not, nor am I the son of a prophet. But I'll just throw that out. I'm just saying, as my kids say, I'm just saying. <laughs> but it's important because uh, if we look at North America as well, we look at Canada yeah. and the United States yeah. of America, we see a lot of anti-Semitism going on and all of that. Um, we have said in the past, when you say you're a Christian in China, you had better be prepared for the impact of that because yeah. it's going to be serious. Yeah. When you say you're a Christian in India, same thing. When you say you're a Christian in Nigeria, yeah. Same thing. But when you say you're a Christian in America or in Canada, the impact of that is not as severe. However, now it's a little different. God is challenging the world. God is speaking to the world. So this is very interesting. Yeah. And as we focus on that, the question is, how do we pray? What, do we do we just focus on Israel? Do yes. We, yes, of course, we pray for Israel. Yeah, because this is a very polarizing topic, Absolutely. especially in North America. I, mean, I don't know if you've been on the social media platforms, but even within Christianity, this is so polarizing. So I really appreciate th those grounding thoughts, pulling it back to God's perspective and know, and and knowing what we know about God, what God has revealed about himself, because the temptation, I think, for many North American Christians, at least, and Christians around the world as well, especially in Western countries, is to react quickly and react on the side of um, sympathy or emotion or uh, what we think 
is acceptable socially. And there's those, those, those pulls and temptations even within the church herself. I think that's important to remember as well, because people, we've seen this on some of the campuses and the schools. People are just reacting and they're saying things and they're aligning themselves with things. They have no idea. Well, the thing is. Not an idea. War is nasty. Yep. Absolutely. And there's not a country in this world that was established through any other means. Yep. I mean, it's an awful yeah. truth. I mean, it's an awful truth. There's always winners and there's always losers. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I know this gets a little close, but, you know, talk about the impact, for instance, of the early settler movement on the Aboriginal communities mm-hmm. in, you know, in both Canada and the U.S. of A. Uh, I mean, <laughs> just the thought just, uh, you know, um, Wolf came over with his armies and in 15 minutes defeated Montcalm on the Plains of Abraham in Quebec. Took 15 minutes. And there's still people in Quebec who are bitter about it. There's always going to be that sense of bitterness because we lost. Um, Now, that that doesn't justify what we're saying here. But you, you you read the history of Israel, the wilderness wanderings. The entry into Canaan, the crossing the Jordan, setting up that first altar in Gilgal, yeah. then defeating Jericho, and then, you know, um, defeating people group after people group. You read this history. Mm. Yeah. And, and you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. I mean, yeah. there, 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 there's awful history there. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, it's, the Israelis have a term, meod primitivi, which means very primitive, but, you know, our roots are very primitive. On the next program, we're going to talk about the biblical foundations of all of this and, and, and how this works. We'll understand what Jim feels the Bible tells us to do. And I think it's very important. That's going to be Monday and Tuesday. So make sure that you are with us on those two days. It's going to be very good. Now, my daughter has a wonderful weekend podcast. It's the weekend edition. She covers all the scripture. Look up her name, Corey Babechko on YouTube. Corey Babechko on YouTube. When you do that, you'll find her her podcast and you'll be able to watch it. She does a great job, her and her husband, Matt Locke. Let's pray today. Lord, I pray for the peace of Jerusalem and help that country to survive. In Jesus' name. Amen.